Captain. Let's move. ABC Thursdays. Firefighters, we're family. Station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet. The subject has explosive chemicals. Get down! With fiery romances. You're the love of my life. And Andy is finally in charge. I'm going to be the best damn captain the station has ever seen. Station 19. All new Thursdays, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Star Trek Picard Season 2 is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. Hello there, everybody. Mike Bloom here from 2022, talking about 2024 and the 2400s and beyond. Not the show 24, but certainly a lot of talk about numbers here as we are wrapping up the coverage of Star Trek Picard Season 2. Look where we are at this moment, Jessica Lee. Considering the time that we checked in, we were on our way to a gala. There was a watcher in the picture. We didn't know a lot about her, but we thought things were pretty hunky-dory. And uh, we have wound up somewhere incredibly different, like we went through our own transwarp conduit into a completely different quadrant of the galaxy, plot-wise. Well, you know, we're all just a bunch of travelers, right? Uh, I suppose so. And I think no one knows that more than our guest today. I'm so excited. In a season that was full of cameos, we got to bring in our own as well. He has a beard. He's energetic. He's known for appearing on TV in his younger days. And he's just done some traveling as well. No, it's not Will Wheaton. It's Rob Sesternino. Yes. I mean, in fairness, Mike, we didn't ask Will Wheaton, but we did ask Rob and he said yes first. You might be able to get him. We didn't try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so happy to be here uh, with the two of you because that I've watched this whole season of Picard and I have not talked about it with uh any other humans other than running into both of you and uh speaking about it briefly in passing and so i'm so excited to talk about what i've just watched 
Now, are you giving away your hand, Rob, that you talked about it with non-humanoids and we're just the only humans you've spoken about it to? No, no other humanoids. Is this when we found out, like, Dominic and Anthony are actually the, you're the, uh, the Alton Soong and you created your own, like, manufactured children that you've deposited this information into? After multiple tries, yes, yes. So, and that's why we don't leave the house. Yes, thank you, Mike. You've uncovered the whole secret. All right. Well, conspiracies abound here on the podcast. Uh, for those of you that, that might not remember or know, Rob Tessernino, know, uh, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, huge fan of the works of Jean-Luc Picard and the Star Trek The Next Generation cast, no? For sure. I mean, Star Trek The Next Generation uh, was always my jam. I uh, was intrigued about the idea of Picard. I actually, I did not stick around for all of season one. Um, but when I saw that season two, there was Guinan, there was Q, there was the Borg, there was time travel. I said, okay, I'm intrigued. And so I did stick with it uh, all season and uh, did find it, uh, you know, while it took a lot of wild turns that I would mostly wanted to see where it was going to go. Yeah. And so here we are. We have arrived at the destination and we have something really interesting to look forward to as well. I think we'll certainly look ahead to Star Trek Picard season three, the final season. But talk about going out with a bang as we will speak about essentially the, uh, Star Trek The Next Generation season eight. But Jess, I want to go to, to you because, again, I'll say when we checked in halfway through the season, things were in an interesting place. We were still trying to figure out exactly what is happening. Who do we need to find? What do we need to prevent? We did find that out by the end of the season, as well as like, you know, some personal trauma thrown on top of that. Rob talks about the wild turns. What were your thoughts about that, about the the final way we capped off the back half of Star Trek Picard? I mean... Maybe I'm just too hard to please, but I really felt like this went way off the rails <laughs> and not always in the best of ways. I liked the way some of it wound up. I liked the fan service, but it just, it kind of devolved from like complicated portrait of the inner psyche of a man in his twilight years into pew, 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 pew. And that was how it ended. I mean, we got a lot of pew, pew, pew in the penultimate episode, uh, but it was mostly about you, 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 and Q, Q, Q. <laughs> In the form of John DeLancey making his appearance. Rob, what what about you? Like you said, yeah. you sort of like doted off on Star Trek Picard season one. Some stuff hooked you in, and it was certainly present in parts of the back half yeah. of season two. But what did you think about it overall? Yeah, I think it probably was a couple episodes too long overall. But while I, I was sort of like, where is this going? Where do they do? Uh, really? We're spending so much time in the flashback. And I didn't really understand like uh, all of the side quests that were going on that I did feel like they kind of stuck the landing uh, at least on first viewing. Although on further inspection, I have been like trying to like, wait, what, how, how does this like, uh, I'm not sure that it's sort of, sort of like the paradox and the time travel all really holds up uh, after a little bit of examination. Yeah. Uh, I think the the scrutiny was quite literally hand waved and snapped away uh, mm -hmm. in the last like 15 minutes. Right. In terms of what it was meant to do. Yeah. I, I am in a very sort of mixed place. Uh, I certainly agree that like the, the, intervening episodes you know we'll certainly talk about there were moments in some episodes like i really loved episode seven which was the like picard memory palace episode mm -hmm. uh where not bashir uh doctor uh, you know P baltar from uh from battlestar galactica makes an appearance and we find out a lot about picard's personal history 
I really enjoyed that episode. I do think looking back, especially in this back half, there was a lot of like circling the drain a bit, particularly when it came to like this final spectrum of like us, uh, of we can't let the, we have to get, let the Europa mission happen. And it, it felt like when that was the overall goal that maybe there was a little bit of like, oh no, we're just wandering all over the place. How do we, how do we get here? But I agree with Rob for some reason, whatever it is, maybe it's just like, I'm a sap and the emotional payoff was there, yeah. especially for characters like Q. The, the finale was something I did enjoy overall you know there are certainly things that i can nitpick and the journeys of some of these characters have been quite literally out of this world uh but i i think that for whatever reason the emotional resonance of the back half of the season was sort of like the thing that i took away most from this and i think that bears out over some of the things we're looking back on you could be like did we need to spend five hours on that i'm not sure there were entire episodes where i felt like you know two to quote my friend Chappelle, that could have been an email. <laughs> yeah. We saw a lot of the same flashback scenes over and over and over. And I could tell, like, the first time you saw it, it was like they're setting you up to think that one thing is happening and something else is going to be happening. And then the other thing that happened, happened. And mm-hmm. I, but you also, it wasn't that we saw it twice from two different angles. It was that we saw the same scene over and over and over and over. And it, then we spent an entire episode on it and I didn't need the entire episode on Picard's boyhood in France. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Cause I want to sort of like break down, you know, things by our, our major characters and let's start with the namesake himself because yeah, we got a lot of uh, introspection into Picard specifically into his past, you know, not a lot was known about his childhood, outside of TNG. We knew that he had a brother who uh, was very to be seen in this show. Seems like poor Robert was like off in the backyard. Yeah, was Robert, was, I was thinking about that today. Was he a stepbrother? I, I, Did dad remarry? And then is that where he came from? Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna have to consult Memory Alpha about this. I'm not mm-hmm. sure. I, I don't recall that line of dialogue. I remember in the premiere episode, like Picard's mother does say, oh yeah, like you know something that your brother don't, but like, again, uh, considering she has proven herself to be a bit unstable as a character, maybe that is some sort of like projection happening. But yeah, that was always the interesting thing. It's almost like the opposite of Star Trek V of like Spock didn't have a brother before and now he does. Picard did have a brother before, but apparently now he doesn't. Star Trek universe is all about people getting siblings that they completely forget about. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah apparently he was away at boarding school uh for the events of uh these episodes uh tried and true soap opera tactic mm-hmm. yeah i guess karma did come for him when he burned down in that winery fire so uh <laughs> he missed out though on some other traumatic moments in the chateau but yeah i mean it's it's wild to i guess talk about some of the like uh i don't know most impactful memories of picard obviously the big to do's are episodes seven and nine Episode seven is again. Seven of nine. Yep. Oh, it was there all along. The clues are right there. Uh, where obviously episode seven is where Talon goes inside of his brain. And we we walk through, you know, Kid Picard, find a little bit about literally who his father was, you know, what was going on with his mother, which culminates into episode nine. Like this big, you know, incident that he put away and, uh, and packed away in his head is, of course, his mother's suicide, which he feels like he is responsible I will say I really enjoyed the sequence of the artistry of like them rewinding uh, everything to sort of like 
go through the psychological exercise of the what ifs that we constantly ask ourselves. Rob, did you, I mean, did you expect, is this like a 21st century trek of like, we're going to explore the mental health of these characters where ordinarily we have like 42 minute episodes where we can't necessarily do that. We have to move on to the next thing. Yeah, I mean, it is an exploration uh, that I, I was not expecting. We did boldly go where uh, no one has gone before. I never really thought deeply about, you know, uh, well, how come Picard never settled down? How come he never really found a love interest? Uh, would, would he not let himself? Uh, and so, while it was interesting, it was not the thing that I thought was uh, like bringing me back to episode after episode of the season. And what I will say, Jess, is, you know, I wonder if this is a product of the sort of like, I don't know. I, I know there was some stuff in filming with COVID that like maybe scenes got shuffled around. It was really interesting to me to the point that you made before in terms of structure that we had episode seven, which was the Mind Palace episode. Episode eight, which is like a flashback for a character that we're just going to meet. And then episode nine is back to the flashbacks. We went lost for like a third of the season for a hot second. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I never I never need to like I, I get so suspicious when they like bring us a character and then like go deep with them. It it really starts to feel a little poochy. If we cared about this person, you would have told me more about them to begin with. You must mm -hmm. recycle to the extreme. Uh <laughs> on, on that note, Jess, what I mean, what did you make of uh you know, no matter what you thought about the quality of it, the actual story itself now sort of fitting this puzzle piece into the puzzle that is Jean-Luc Picard. I mean, it gives him some dimension, but like you, Mike, I never really thought about, like, why didn't Jean-Luc Picard ever settle down? I mean, the one time I might have thought about it for half a second was when, you know, he got trapped in the Nexus and it was clearly like the thing he always wanted to do. But then... Anything else he ever did in his life never really justified that being the thing he wanted. So it was like, okay, you know, you got you got lots of time now. Plenty of old dads in the future. Like, settle down and have kids now. And I guess the only person who really had that as a burning question on their list was Q. Who decides, I'm going to unmake the entire fabric of the universe as a, you know, as a morality play to Jean-Luc Picard to tell him to go get laid. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that, I mean, oh is this not to like? I'll admit, I again, I was very emotionally moved by like the, We're John, a the John Delancey, yeah, exactly, Patrick Stewart scenes. But like, I was sort of reminded, Rob, of an episode that you showed Akiva once upon a time, point blank, right? The the Q Pid, where he placed <laughs> them in that infamous Robin Hood simulator on the holodeck so that uh, <laughs> you know, Picard could win back Bosch. I sort of felt that a way here of like, I'm gonna put you through this whole rigmarole just so you can realize that like you need to love yourself and you can be loved. You know, I was very excited to see Q return for uh, this season of uh, Star Trek Picard. And I feel like that I always enjoyed all the episodes with Q. But as we sit here at the end of the season, I'm very confused <laughs> about what Q's goal was. And like, okay, so Q set this whole thing into motion but at some point along the way, he kind of like lost his powers because he's dying. Mm -hmm. And at the same time is also trying to stop the Europa mission from half. Like he's actively working 
against Picard at points, right? Where he's giving, he's giving that uh, uh, I, I don't remember which Noonien Soong uh, relative this is, but I'm just going to say Brent Spiner. <laughs> but right, he's providing Brent Spiner with intel so that he can go and and have Renee Picard assassinated so that she doesn't go like uh, that he's like actively like working against Picard. So like, what the freaking hell, Q? What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, some friend. Like, why are you hugging that guy at the end of the series? Why did he hug him? <laughs> the Q has been nothing but a thorn in Picard's side for his entire uh, adult life. Why did he hug him? All of the people that died. Because of Q. This is just a sign, Rob, that you need to go find your biggest trolls and you need to hug them. And that will be the opportunity for them to be like, okay, this is all I, a test all along. You yeah. just need to be um you just need to be Judah Freelander in that um in that Dave Matthews band video. Okay. Q single-handedly uh brought the Borg to the attention <laughs> or, or brought the, the like put the Federation on the the, the like the, the Borg had was not had anything to do with with uh like attacking the Federation. Mm. Like uh the Q show like uh dangled them in front of them that they ended up coming to like uh to the Alpha Quadrant to Wolf 359. How many people were lost? How much of Picard himself was lost by becoming Lacutus, uh like the defining event of his life that all was because of Q and I don't even know how many other enterprise crew people were lost in these misadventures with Q. I couldn't believe it. It was all good. Yeah. Ben Cisco had the right idea. First thing he does when he meets Q is he punches him in the face. Yeah. That's the thing that would, that would be very interesting if instead it was like Cisco and Q does this whole thing. I think Cisco like breaks Q's neck. First time he sees it, especially knowing that he's like no longer has the the massive godly powers that he does. Yeah, he's like, I'm dying, Ben. Oh, well, let me help you with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but I also want to add that I was getting a little verklempt, uh that during that whole sequence uh, that so it really it it it, it hit for me. I, but at the end, I'm like, but I, I wouldn't have I, I, Picard hugging Q. I thought was uh, a, a little bit of a weird moment yeah it's an interesting i think summation of their relationship where like you said he was presented in like the thorn in his side but also at the same time like q is kind of like picard's annoying brother in a manner of speaking not like the one that went off to boarding school uh but like someone <laughs> mm -hmm. who constantly shows up to like pester him right who clearly wants his attention who wants his like gaze at all times and when it turns out that, like, the reason why Q is doing this is because he does not want to die alone. And we'll sort of get into that with the Borg as well. That, like, I think a resounding theme throughout this season is, like, no man is an island. And that nobody deserves to end mm -hmm. their lives alone. And I think well, once once they sort of, like, realize that, then Picard was able to see that literal humanity. And I think maybe, unfortunately, for the plot's sake obfuscate a lot of the obstacles he threw in their path on the way there and what about the irony of of kirk who uh all through star trek 5 uh talks about how like uh, i always like uh like i i, I know I'm, i know i'm gonna die alone uh who then goes on to not die alone dies <laughs> dies with picard so perhaps that uh maybe the same will be true for q yeah that could be the case Jess, did you have any thoughts about besides obviously the the quite literal hand waving, just the 
the emotional, the verklempt of it all, as Rob talked about when it came to like, specifically that final sit down, I would say in the solarium between Q and Picard, where Q's like, all right, it's the finale. Let me come clean with everything that happened. I mean, it felt so manufactured because it just felt like I, I couldn't, maybe I've just watched too much TV and talked about TV too long on the internet, but this felt such like a, I can zoom out and see John Delancey talking to his agent. He's like, yeah, fine. I'll do one more season of Star Trek, but I don't want to get pigeonholed. I'm getting real tired of this. Please, can I just, can they just kill me off so I don't ever have to come back? Like that's That's interesting. That's all I could see there is like, yeah, I'll do the season. I know everybody wants to see Q, but let's make it, let's make it final. That being said, I, I do kind of wish now that we knew his motivations for many, many reasons, I would love to have seen like more of him and more of him like specifically reacting to things. Cause we got that a bit with like young Guinan, right? You know, him mm-hmm. opening up to her being like, I can't believe you summoned me and finally revealing the whole, I'm at the end of my life stuff. But Outside of, like, him reacting to him being unable to snap, like, there wasn't a lot of him appearing a lot throughout all this. To your point, Rob, it was a lot more of him, like, all right, let's put all the pieces in place, and a lot less of, like, him emotionally reconciling with the fact that he is near the end of his near-infinite lifespan. Do you think, was he messing with Picard the whole time? Because <laughs> that it seems like he has all of his powers uh, in episode one, Okay. Uh, then did he use, is he spent, uh, at the time that we see him later on, he's like with Rene Picard and I guess that, I guess Picard's not around and it's like, oh, uh, like suddenly he's like a impotent cue of like, oh, this doesn't work anymore. It used to work. Uh, and then he has to like go around and like be like, he's like a human practically, but by the end he has enough like magic left to send everybody back to where they were. So... I don't know why, like, uh, he all of a sudden, like, uh, was without, you know, his Q powers for so much of the season. I don't know. Did Corbin Burnson take them away or something? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I would say, to be quite honest, I think with the last, like... Say that for the celebrity mole patrol. <laughs> exactly. Just he's taking copious notes about all the times he could sap away Q's power with Stephen Baldwin next to him. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I would say I, if I could, like... It's a little hackneyed, but like I would imagine the power of love, in a manner of speaking, that like Picard imparted onto him, like might have given him that last the hug. Yeah, it actually might have been the The bro hug to be like, okay, this this invigorates me. I'm gonna do one last thing, Uh, and and that was the thing to do. You know, I guess finales are all about death, right? We lost Data in season one finale, season two finale, we lose Q. I think we might lose Picard proper in the season three finale, considering that is the end end. Yeah, I think we just have to kill off an old person every season. That's in the writer for Alex mm-hmm. Kurtzman in the show. I thought mm-hmm. I thought the theme, I thought the through line might be like, we're going to kill somebody off at the end of every season who theoretically should not be able to die. Like, are we going like, to kill some wormhole prophets next season? Yeah, I mean, yeah. technically Picard is in a, a synthetic, you know, golem body. So technically mm-hmm. he should not be able to die either. Mm-hmm. They said he'll die when he when he's ready, like at a normal speed. Mm-hmm. But it's like, if I'm Picard, I might just keep going on adventures and like every so often, like, oh, I must be getting close to death. Well, I'm just going to get a wrench and like fix a couple of things. But isn't it weird that Q is dying? Like uh, that Q, like you would think has been alive for like for like infinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, he seemed to be in perfectly good health, but 30 years ago, 
Like, what did did some sort did something happen to Q? Like, why is he at the end of his life so so quick to when he was at the height of his powers? Could it be like that episode where the continuum took away his powers because he was being such a douche? That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Corbin Burnson took away his powers. Like, it's just like yeah. They see him at the beginning of the season being like, oh, I'm going to teach Picard a lesson. I'm going to show him that he needs to get laid by undoing the entire fabric of the last 400 years of history. And Corbin Burnson and all the other cues are like, dude, that is a bridge too far, even for you. How about the this? Abuse of power. Yeah, you're abusing yeah. your power. You got to die. Rob, what did you think about talk about, you know, again, Picard's love life, uh, the whole idea of. Talon or, uh, you know, the hair, her monitor cap, most part Talon, uh, you know, the the 2024 version of Orla Brady's character. What did you think yeah. about this whole idea of, you know, Picard needing to, to romance in both the 21st and 24th centuries? Yeah, I really did not care. I like I I don't care about uh Talon. Uh I really, you know, do not think that she and Picard seem to have like any sort of like on-screen chemistry or anything like that. So, that was not a hit for me. Yeah, just how did, how do you think about how every, I mean cuz we spoke about this in the in the premiere of like this is odd in many ways. What did you think about the the final culmination of the story with both the descendant and the current iterations? It felt like Picard still didn't think of them as distinct and separate entities. It was just like, mm -hmm. oh, it's past Laris and current Laris. And it, there's no separation there. Like it, it wasn't, you know, falling in love with one of them made me appreciate what I had in the other one. It was just like, oh, she dead now. I'll go back and get it on with the one that looks just like her in the future. It's a little bit of like a warm up of like, okay, I, tr I had my practice, Laris. Now I have my real one. I will say it was a little odd that we talked about this in the first half of the, the season of like, well, this is odd. Someone looks exactly like Laris, but like speaks in an American accent and doesn't have the Romulan ears. And then it's revealed, okay, she is a Romulan. She's just been hiding it the entire time. It was just an odd way to introduce the character, I think, in retrospect. I liked it a lot better what we had, what we had theorized was going on with that character, which was that she just sort of locks on to what she thinks Picard wants her to look like. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. I honestly I thought that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I this is news to me. This this other part. Like I've been searching your brain and this lady keeps popping up. <laughs> so if the watcher was coming to you, what would it look like? <laughs> Rob, would it look like Jeff Probst? Um uh, I don't know. I think maybe it would be like uh, I think that, that would be a weird dynamic, I think. I think it'd be a, like a hybrid of all of his co-hosts, just like in one amorphous blob approaching wow, him. Weird. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. nobody, nobody, go and make that, please, because every time <laughs> we put something that weird out in the universe, somebody comes back with Photoshop, <laughs> and I don't want that happening. Okay, don't do that. Speaking of odd science experiments, I want to next talk about the freak that is Agnes Gerardi, because yeah, I, I think this is like prime example of how this season did not go in the direction I thought it was going in that Jess, you and I theorized a lot about who is this mysterious new Borg queen. I think I theorized that it was like a multiversal Borg queen. That's why the ship looked different. I don't think anyone had it on their bingo card that this was a hybridized Agnes Gerardi, uh, you know, Borg queen, like Moon Knight scenario where they are both sharing the same body. No, nobody went the Moon Knight route, but like, I think we talked about people 
like when we when we covered the first half of this, we talked about people just commenting on the message boards that they assumed that was Gerardi in the Borg outfit. Mm. Wow, interesting. Like, well, good, good on those people for calling. Yeah, it. Well, I mean, we discussed this at length. That you know, mysterious black hooded Borg figure was going to be Gerardi, and I don't think anybody had it going the way that it did. But this was like the one thing where, like, I think we kind of guessed that. I think we were right about that. And that was like the one thing we were right about. So that being said, what did you think about how it ended up carrying out to that destination? This was um, 12 pounds of ridiculous in a 10-pound bag. Mm-hmm. And I, I promise, I love Star Trek. Everybody out there who's, like, got their hands poised over their keys to at me and say, if you hate Star Trek so much, why are you talking about it? But... They've healed the Borg and welcomed them into the Federation with the power of friendship. <laughs> yeah, like, what's the problem? Hey, Borg, have you ever considered, you know, you go in and you violate people and steal their steal their personality and um, incorporate their individuality into their own against their will? What if you just, like, asked them first? Consent is important. Mm-hmm. Oh, I never thought of that. Okay, cool. We're good. We'll be good Borgs now. Yeah. Rob, what what did you make of all this? I do think that, to Jess's point, one of the major takeaways is, like, this reconciliation that the two of them come to, where, again, much like what happens with Q and Picard, Gerardi says to the Borg Queen, like, we're not so different, you and I. You want to assimilate because you don't want to be alone. You seek connection. You want to outlive the specter of the Grim Reaper. As someone who, like, grew up on the specter that is the Borg, the big, bad enemy that has, like, you know, no sort of rationale mm-hmm. behind what they do. How did you feel about doing this yeah. this day and age? Well, I'm just so confused about how this the timeline works. So that and and I and what I'm really confused about is like uh, sort of like in in the lost time travel version of like did whatever happen happen? How much of it was cues hand waving? And so are we to assume that? All along, Gerardi and the Borg Queen have been like sort of just like uh, like hanging around the galaxy for 400 years, just picking up sort of like a ragtag bunch of people that didn't really fit in and brought them into their cool, new, like different Borg collective and never actually encountered the normal timeline Borg collective. Yeah, I guess that's the case, right? That there's like... The the OG Borg Queen and the OG Gerardi are still pursuing along their specific timelines because since we got snapped back to right where things ended in episode one of Star Trek Picard season two, that like I'd assume that everything that came before it, with one exception, ended up happening. So like I, I guess that is the case that for whatever reason they were sort of their own travelers in a way that like they hung back and watched everything go down until there was like the opportune moment for them to be like, aha, okay, here's this transwarp conduit. This is when I go need, I need to go visit Picard and like let him in on what he needs to do. Yeah. See all of the timey wiminess of this didn't really bother me because I'm in the middle of my second run through of dark. Mm-hmm. So there's always like these things on dark where somebody, um, re- they're, they're trying to prevent a thing and it ends up causing the thing and then all of a sudden there's another timeline and there's another iteration of the character that just it just felt to me like oh everything's the same except we're missing this one piece of it and of course that's how it always happened and the thing they did the things they did to try to make it not happen made it happen 
Yeah, that well, that's very much. I got that sense from Picard putting the key inside uh, the brick. That reminded me a lot of Tapestry, right? When he's like, mm -hmm. okay, I will get stabbed by the mm -hmm. Nausicaan because if I don't, then I don't go down this path. And this idea of like suffering this personal tragedy to build yourself into the person that you are. Yeah, and mm -hmm. again, Q already did that one time. I don't know why he feels like he has to keep <laughs> doing it. He's playing the hits. Maybe they, maybe in his old age, he's gotten like a bit of a memory lapse. Yeah. He forgot they did this a bunch. Put put a pin yeah. in that playing the hits thing because I'm coming back to that in a big way. <laughs> yeah, remind what did Q then do in All Good Things in the in the like uh what what was he trying to prove then? So he wanted to put humanity on trial one more time. Uh, okay. And so what? But what he ended up doing, Picard very much said that that future timeline never happened. That like Q essentially reset things back to the present timeline. So all this stuff about you know uh, Picard and Beverly formerly being married, and you know all these things going on with everyone in their separate ways did not happen. This is now the future canonically. Star Trek Picard. Got it. If you have a problem with it, you can just blame Q. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, that Jurati stuff, that's like a big hole, I would say, again, the size of a transwarp continent. Yeah, and, and that's what we were left with, a big hole in space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about it. Again, I like it thematically in that if the connector is indeed like this idea of seeking connection, then like I'm not entirely mad with humanizing the Borg because the thing that I always love about Star Trek is like even its antagonists, you know where they're coming from. At least like they're, it's not like they're saying we're doing things just to be evil. They're usually doing things for like either their own, you know, purposes or out of biases or whatever. And so I'm fine bringing it into there. But yeah, I do agree with Jess. It's tough not to be like, okay, so they got to the board because essentially like they said, love makes the world go round. You know, don't you do, haven't haven't you ever been hugged before? Come here. Let's work together. <laughs> Is this Linda Spencer as uh, <laughs> one of the board queen? Yeah, sticking her tongue out full of blood and everything after she <laughs> killed that guy. I will say, though, that like Allison Pill was the MVP of the season for me. Uh, I loved her when she was like half and half. Like, I feel like she changed her voice or her mannerisms or something. She acted incredibly different at, than Gerardi when she was the board queen. And I thought it was really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was an incredible performance for sure. And the character, like, honestly, the thing I don't quibble with is that I feel like it was very much in line with who Gerardi is as a character to be attracted to the possibility of being a Borg and to be comfortable with it after being the Borg queen for 400 years. Like, when she whips the hood off, just like, hey, sup, it's me, Gerardi, I'm the Borg queen, and being a Borg is cool now. That part felt okay. Mm-hmm. Why did she need to wear a hood? I mean, that uh, it seems like she went to great lengths to disguise herself. Like, did Q tell her, all right, trust me on this. Okay, when you go in there, put the hood on <laughs> because we need Picard to do the self-destruct sequence because that's going to set in motion the whole chain of events that's ultimately going to get you back out here. So yeah. just like, uh, just play the song. Play the song. But but where yeah drop the a hood. hint yeah yeah it, it was one of those things like you could have explained this away in two lines of dialogue in the very first few minutes of the episode like hey guys it's me Gerardi I went back in time and I've been a Borg for four hundred years like oh hey Gerardi what's up now mm -hmm. the big yeah. question is obviously Rios is missing we'll certainly talk about that when they come back 
Was Gerardi as well? Because Gerardi was also on the Stargazer when the Borg Queen came on. I mean, she must have been. Yeah, so it's, it's not like there are two Gerardis. Yeah. So it's almost like that they went off into like and, and had this whole this whole adventure and and then had to like uh the people like um almost like a like the like a guardian of forever situation mm. of like then only the people who went back through the portal like came back uh which was um Picard and Rafi and 7 of 9 and Elnor, technically, even though he showed up on another ship for some reason. That, that one, I don't know. Yeah. I don't get What was that like that on one. the other ship? Yeah. They're just like, wait a minute. What are, you, what? what are you doing here? Yeah. This happened to be the ship that had problems. Yeah, exactly. Because he didn't know what he was doing there. So that's, we'll definitely talk about that because I think that's tied into like Raffi's quote unquote story. I will say though, like I, I am a sucker for the sort of like. Uh, stuff they were doing with Gerardi and the Boar Queen for a while. I could understand, I think in retrospect, that we did not necessarily need two episodes of Gerardi in a red dress stomping down <laughs> Ventura Boulevard. We didn't need it, Mike, but we wanted it. It was, it was fun. <laughs> I, I liked it. I think Allison Pill got to do some really fun stuff. She got to, like, sing. Uh, but I really enjoyed the, the counterpoints between her and the Boar Queen. And honestly, I kind of mm. wish we had gotten more of that because that, that's a dynamic we don't, really get right even in something like the, the search for spock when like spock's you know was technically living in mccoy's head for a little bit like rent free yeah we yeah. didn't we didn't get a lot of like literal physical back and forth between the two of them um I, jess i i do want to share that when i was talking with mike about this episode last week that uh he referred to uh gerardi suddenly becoming uh, a cylon <laughs> I mean, I thought I saw the red dress and I saw like the semi post apocalyptic setting. And I'm like, I mean, it's right there again. Baltar appears in episode eight. That's true. I mean, it's right there. I will. I will say this about about that look. It might be the one thing that would get me interested in cosplay again. OK. All right. There you go. I've not been to Comic-Con in seven years, but I might go back if I got to wear an evening gown like that. Mm hmm. Now, would you perform as well with the Borg Queen by your side? <laughs> Probably not. But to bring it full circle, the last time I went to Comic-Con, I cosplayed a Seven of Nine. So there it is. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, on that note, let's get to uh, the reason for the costume of Jess from the past. Let's talk about 7 of 9, who, like, sort of had a storyline in the back half of this season. Maybe she, she, you know, was the former president of the of Earth, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in that alternate confederation timeline. There was a little bit of reconciling of, like, I no longer have the implant. Who am I? Okay, I got the implant back, but that means that's okay because I'm not defined by my Borgness. And it seems like she's with Rafi. Is that a fair encapsulation of Seven of Nine's story in the back half of Star Trek Picard season two? Can anybody explain what happened with uh, Seven of Nine? Is it just means like the timeline was fixed and that's why she got the Borg implants back? So if I recall correctly, Borg Queen Gerardi ended up like fighting her and ended up killing her or like putting her near death's door. And then Gerardi was able to convince the Borg Queen to like, again, come to this mutually assured destruction. They shake on it. And then they're like, okay, we're going to heal Seven of Nine, but some things will be a little different. And then for whatever reason, that meant, I guess, like bringing those Borg aspects back out of her again, or like retroactively correcting the timeline to bring that back. I'm not entirely sure. It's like, Mm -hmm. we got our, hey guys, we got our makeup budget back. (laughs) Yeah, I will say I, I actually did not think the implant looked that great. It looked a little like uh, rubbery. I think it, it looked exactly the, oh. like the one I had. Yeah, <laughs> it looked very much like they pulled it from like the '90s set. You know, back in the day when people were watching those on SD TVs, of like people were not taking a close look at the material being used on it. Yeah. So, Jess, any any thoughts about any of this stuff going on with Seven of Nine? Well, one thing that I really would have liked to see is. What happened to that dude that Seven of Nine was married to in the alternate timeline? Like, is he a guy in their regular timeline? And if he is, I really wanted to see some kind of cameo appearance or interaction between the two of them where Seven of Nine is just completely hostile to him for no reason. Yeah, he's just some random, like, Jamoke. He's, like, the the new gardener at the Starfleet Academy, and she just, like, mm-hmm. beats the crap out of him, and he has no idea. Fun fact, so he is played by the father of Issa Briones, who plays Dodge and Soji and uh, Corey from this season. Oh. So they're casting within the family. That's why he looked familiar. Yeah, he's also, he's a Broadway actor. He was uh, nominated for Miss Saigon a few years back. John John Briones is his name, with no relation to the RHAP patron. <laughs> I was gonna say... <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm really intrigued to see where they go with seven of nine we find out apparently uh starfleet does not want x borgs to be in command though i guess they're fine with picard doing just that seven of nine <laughs> step too far you know what i'm totally okay with this 
<laughs> because yes. most of like Picard and Seven of Nine are the only exceptions to the Borg being terrible pretty much the rest of the time because nobody mm-hmm. taught them the power of friendship. Um, yes. Like we were kind of right to be suspicious of like Hugh and Echeb. It was it didn't work out. <laughs> Yeah, I guess that's true. I'm I'm also gonna give like throw out a theory here. I think season three is gonna have seven of nine be a captain. I think when she sits in the captain's chair on the stargazer, like that is a big indicator of okay, they're they're gonna be lenient on her. They're maybe Picard will send a nice recommendation, and she'll finally become a captain for season three. Of Picard. The Borg are in the Federation now, Mike. That's true. Yeah, now there's like Just no those reason Borg. to Borg. <laughs> it's a new era. The other Borg have to apply individually. Yeah, so I, I think we could see it happen, which would be fun. I'd love to yeah. see Captain 7 and 9, especially with, like, there's no La Serena <laughs> spinoff that's coming anytime soon that people yeah. would want. I think we got to get 7 in the captain's chair elsewhere. What do they call yes. Do they call her Captain of 9? Yeah, what's her last? I mean, I guess would she go by, would she go back to being Annika, right? Like, whatever mm. her last name mm. was before she was assimilated. Now, does Picard file a report about this? Does he do, like, a admiral's log? Uh, boy, are you sitting down for this one? <laughs> Why start now? <laughs> That's a good point. Uh, I'm, I'm just curious. Like, uh, does does uh, are there like a lot of questions? Like, okay, where is Captain Rios? Like, uh, does uh, is there an investigation of like, wait, why did you cancel the self destruct? How did you know? It's like, well, it's complicated. Well, essentially, what happens in real time? Like, let me act it out. You know, computer engage self destruct sequence. Uh, sequence Picard. Blah 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 blah. Zero 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 one. <laughs> you would think that they would have Picard update his password. I have that combination that, on my luggage. Yeah, yeah. Didn't Kanye have that as his combination on his iPhone? Exactly. You don't want to get hacked. But again, the, so the computer counts down. Ted, nine, eight. Never mind. We're good. Like that's the, mm-hmm. the the amount of time that passes is instantaneous. So it's gonna look like this guy literally had a senior moment of him being like, "Wait, what did I do? Oh, never mind. Mm. I'm good. I know her. She's a friend from work." Mm-hmm. It's just, it's wild to think about to that point. But I think one of the bigger things is that there's a whole ass man who's missing when they come back that apparently Rios just like disappeared in an instant. It's it's wild mm-hmm. to think about. And I love that they even like sort of lampshaded by being like, wait, what happened to, to Captain Rios? He's like, yeah, that's not matter. But it, it very much does because he was a person who was right there and disappeared in front of their eyes. So Jess, what did you think about Rios here? Especially his decision, right, to choose to stay behind. It's the exact opposite of Star Trek Four, where someone from the past comes to the future. Now Rios is staying behind in 2024. I mean, this is, it's hard to divorce this from all of my feelings about ripping off the whale movie. Like, nobody should ever rip off the whale movie. The whale movie is a perfect piece of art. Yeah, I just, it's so funny because I was listening to you and Mike on the last podcast where you were talking about how that, you know, this, uh, there's so much in, in this um, timeline uh, or, or in this season of Picard is talking about how, you know, dealing with a lot of the problems that our civilization has and, uh, you know, like issues that, you know, it's interesting to see Star Trek deal with them. And I just really had to uh, stop and like, uh, I realized like, oh, yeah. The, the last time they went back to, you know, to 1986 was because they had to save the whales. Yep. Look how far we've come. <laughs> Look how far I mean, I think we got to give t- the 2020s Earth some credit because we haven't managed to kill off all the whales yet. 
Yeah. But that was like, okay, well, okay, we're going to send the Enterprise crew back to 1986 because they have to check notes, make sure they save the whales. Like they were, <laughs> I guess they really made a big impact. Yeah. I mean, listen, Star Trek only gets so veiled with their sort of like morals, right? Like they can certainly be like, this race means this and this race means this. But then they get to a certain extent where they're like, yeah, they're just going to save whales. Like, they're not space whales. Yeah. Though I guess that was the point, right? It was like the, the whales were able to communicate with the alien whales. So they are mm -hmm. space. All whales are space whales, Mike. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I do think that also that, like, I feel like that Star Trek is running into a problem with their timeline of, like, uh, post-apocalyptic World War III, 21st century. Like, when's that happening? Oh, don't worry, Rob. We're about to catch up. Yeah, yes, exactly. We're, we're on the track there. But to that point, you know, Jess and I certainly talked about this with 2024, right? Like the the whole Bell riots happened in San Francisco. And I guess a mere six hours away in L.A., all the shenanigans were going on with Picard at the same time. And I think I saw like a couple of references to like Chris Brenner. And I think they mentioned the camps at one point. But I was I thought that was a really big missed opportunity. But we needed a little more dystopia in 2024 L.A. <sighs> I just don't know, like, um. When when is that supposed to be happening? Because then we got the whole like happy life story of Rios in the twenty first century. Wasn't happy, he was like doing things in the world, but that doesn't mean it was happy. Like he was getting in bar fights in Morocco over medical supplies. That doesn't sound happy. That sounds like he was trying to right some wrongs. Yeah, but it didn't seem like that there was like uh, you know nuclear fallout either. It was so interesting because I love Rios. Rios might be like my favorite character in Picard. And I really like those scenes that he had with Teresa. Like I think he and that actress had a lot of great chemistry. But for whatever reason, his character was a lot of tell and not show where he's like, I've considered Picard a, a father figure. I've never felt like I fit in. And it's like, I've, I have not seen that happen with this mm. character. Even when we saw him as a captain in Starfleet, like, he seemed relatively comfortable with the position. So, like, I'm fine uh, with with the maneuver if there's, like, rationale behind it, and it seemed to be. I just wish we saw more of it. You know, maybe that's something you devote a little bit more time to as well, maybe in some rewrites of, like, some ennui that Rios is feeling and him becoming enamored with Teresa and just this idea of, like, okay, maybe this is the time that I should be in. Yeah, I mean, it's it is... It does seem weird to me that he does such a 180, but he also did a huge 180 at the beginning of the season. Like Rios wears many hats. He is mm -hmm. he is multitudes. We already know this about him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. He unfortunately we did say goodbye to a lot of the hollows. We got one. We got Hollow Elnor. Uh, I don't know if you saw. He had the same little thing that the Doctor did, which like mm -hmm. indicates that he's mobile. He's essentially roaming hotspot. Mm -hmm. I I would love it if like that's how we get. That's how we get Rios next season is if we kept all the hollows. Oh, I mean, that'd be cool. The question though, is like La Serena now no longer exists, right? Or it's being used by Gerardi Borqueen. It is, but I feel like Rios is probably smarter than Adam Sung. And he had the wherewithal to upload some stuff to the cloud. Perhaps let's, let's talk about Sung for a second, because this guy got introduced, Jess, when you and I were covering the first half, like I want to say in like episode four, or five, we're just like, oh, Brent Spiner. Oh, this is what Issa Brionis does. Uh, he ends up becoming a rather large antagonist, uh, and a big key cog in the back half of the season. What were your thoughts about this? Well, it's like it was like Q showed up and gave him the sports almanac, and he turned into Biff. Mm-hmm. 
And it was like, oh, he was kind of a bad dude. But it's like, that's how you do. That's how you get bad dudes. You tell them they're going to rule the world. Yeah, or do you give him an option to be like, well, you could rule the world or you will be like desecrated and forgotten in your lifetime. Which would you rather have? Yeah. Yeah, would you like to get kicked in the face or can I give you a big warm hug? Yeah, Rob, what did you think about this? Obviously, we're used to Brent Spiner playing many members of the Soong family. I think it's safe to say maybe besides Lord, this is the jerkiest Soong. Yeah, pretty jerky. I just feel like that they wanted to have Brent Spiner in the show. Like, I felt like that that we spent like too much time here with uh, Soong. Like, I I thought it was interesting at first, but I thought that, um, you know, everything uh, going on with him and Soji like just seemed like a, a little repetitive. I don't understand like why, like he is like, how is he a failed scientist where he has seemingly like the most advanced uh, technology on the entire planet? Yeah, I think it's this idea of like what he's doing is immoral more so than like not effective. And so he's sort of like the mad scientist in that way. I mean, I thought mm-hmm. I thought the Corey stuff was interesting, specifically like her finding out the very dark fact that she is, you know, try number whatever you want to call it. But yeah, then after that, I did feel like we were spinning our wheels a bit, like soon joining up with the Borg Queen. I didn't necessarily need, like, I don't think I needed, while mustache twirling Brent Spiner is fun, just look at the hit Dana Carvey flick, Master of Disguise, for more information about that. (laughs) Uh, I I don't know if we necessarily needed him. I'm always be glad for more Brent Spiner, but as we look ahead to season three, I'm hoping that uh, he'll play someone maybe a bit more nuanced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, give him a different Soong to deal with. Like, there's, you know, apparently that is a strong bloodline. There's always yeah. a Soong somewhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and it always looks like Brent Spiner. Like, no deviations from yeah. that, which I guess maybe raises some questions about how the Soongs are breeding. <laughs> I mean, yes, yes, they do. <laughs> I, I obviously, after everything we know, we wouldn't put it past them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So Corey gets the last laugh, but again, to your point, Rob, it is sort of like, well, this is what ends up leading us towards Khan Noonien soon, right? Because like he's been wiped of everything and now he decides to sort of open the failsafe. Yeah. Um, speaking of uh, Khan, um, like uh, when does that, when do like all the eugenics wars happen? That is what, Jess, that's Enterprise stuff. That's like the 2200s maybe? Yeah, yeah, it's... it's. Oh, uh, See, I thought that was the, I thought that was like the 21st century. I don't know. I, I got to Google this, too. I, I, we don't get to get bogged down on that. But um, I also thought it was pretty wild that in 2024, we've got uh, manned missions going to Jupiter's moons. Oh, Rob, they already happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, they happened um, while we were in high school, actually. Okay, good. Yeah, between 1992 and 1996. So, okay. so they decided go. we're going to go back again 30 years later. Yeah, we were, there was a lot of OJ stuff going on. We were distracted. <laughs> Honestly, I'd love to relive the 90s. That seems like a pretty swell deal considering where we live now. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll you can back. get on a, a rocket with Brene Picard, and uh, maybe that'll take you through some sort of transwarp conduit back to the 90s. I almost say that Brene Picard stuff, like, sort of went somewhere. I thought I'd see more rea- interaction between, like, the Picards. You know, I know that we're talking about stepping on butterflies, but, like, at that point... The butterfly sanctuary has been trampled upon by Rios that like, I think it's okay if Picard talks a little bit more with his descendant. He had what, one conversation with her? Yeah, well, he was pretending to be like a security guard. Yeah, he had that one conversation. Then he had a conversation with her when he thought it was her, but it was not her. But well, I don't think I don't I don't know if he thought it was her. I think maybe Talon let him know like what the plan was. Mm. Are you talking about like when she like dies in his arms? Yeah, the way they shot that, it was like we were supposed to think he thought it was her. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I personally thought as soon as like she walked out and told Sue, like, this crazy lady's in there, I'm like, oh, that's Talon. That's very, that's <laughs> very easily Talon. It's the bait and switch. Uh, and the last thing to wrap up is uh, the Raffi stuff. Uh, Raffi maybe got the shortest stick of all the characters, considering her storyline was like, I miss Elnor. I miss Seven. Yeah, and so much of Raffi felt, feels like I'm supposed to know her better than I do. Like, I should have, like, there was a whole season, like, apparently I missed the whole ninth season of TNG where we got to know Rafi. Because they always talk cool. about her, like, oh, yeah, the thing and the stuff, and remember that time we did the thing, and we never got to see any of that. We've never just told everything there is to know about Rafi. Yeah, I mean, I feel like as somebody who really didn't stick with Picard season one, like, at the end of this, where Q is, uh, like, talking with Picard, and he talks about, like, oh, this is my family, uh, Rafi, Seven of Nine, Gerardi, and and Rios, you know, the, the, you know, my best friends of my entire life. Like, you barely know these people. Yeah, that's why we're going to get rid of all of them and bring back the original TNG gang in the next season. Yeah. All right. I actually have other friends. Get out of here. Oh, oh yeah. This is my real family. No wonder he's hugging Q. That's his best friend out of the whole group. <laughs> God, that says a lot. That's really depressing. See, it's interesting, though, because like I do feel like Star Trek Picard season one did build Rafi out a fair amount. Like They did have some flashbacks of her with, with Jean-Luc. For whatever reason, like they just really scaled back on her this season, where like mm -hmm. she almost seemed like a supporting character more so than a main cast member. Well, yeah. they knew she was coming back. Like they they had to they had to give extra things to the people that aren't coming back. Ah, uh, yeah, I guess that is an interesting point, right? Of like, let them take their bow. You'll have your moment, Raffi. You'll be you'll be going yeah. into the twenty fourth century. Yeah, let us know next season how you want to die, and we'll make it happen mm -hmm. for you. Um, are we shipping uh, Rafi and Seven of Nine? I like. I was initially. I guess I like their their like tete a tete and their rapport together. But I feel like there was so many scenes of like the two of them bickering, and I'm like, okay, let's just get it over with. You'll get back together. So it was almost like it's tough for me to not couch my feelings in. Oh, did they get together in the first season? No. There, so it, there was subtext. There is a yes. scene. So the final scene of season one pans around the family of the La Serena, and it shows, like, Gerardi and Rios, like, looking into each other's eyes. And then, like, Seven of Nine and Raffi are talking at a table, and then they, like, touch hands. And everyone's like, oh, oh, what about that? And then when we come back for season two, it's like, oh, yeah, Seven and I were together, and now we're not. So we missed out on that entire thing. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. I think, I think you know, it's always fun to have a same-sex relationship when it comes to Star Trek, but, like, I want more of it then in that way, and not just the two of them sort of, like, bickering with each other on the streets of L.A. while they look for Gerardi. Yeah. Oh, that's just my mm -hmm. psycho ex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. We uh, didn't really talk about Guinan. Oh, yeah. I would love uh, to hear all. your thoughts, Rob, as the, a whoopee stan, uh, <laughs> whoopee stan. on both yeah. old and young Guinan. Yeah, I thought it was kind of wild. Uh, although young Guinan um, kind of grew on me over the course of the season. I, I kind of was into young Guinan, except that I, I did think that the scene where she summoned Q was so cartoonish <laughs> and uh, yeah, you mean like when they turned place. on the wind machine and the earthquake machine. That was seems so uh, like uh, you know um, the Alorians and Q have an agreement and it's in a bottle and if you open the bottle you summon the Q. Uh, I mean th that was kind of weird, um, but yeah, I I did I did kind of like all that. Uh, I did think it was wild that uh, Guinan had a picture of Rios in the bar. The whole time. Uh, yeah, like, oh, Guinan, didn't, the camera didn't pan right, so we never saw it. Yeah, Guinan had known Picard 
this whole time, but also didn't, but also that um, I, I think I saw this, I, I watched a YouTube video about this. So in the events of Time's Arrow, did did those not happen uh, paradoxically at the point where like, um, it's weird because right in the, um, in one version of the, of the future, like uh, I guess that, um, okay, follow, hear me out. Right. Cause this is, cause this is getting, cause in, <laughs> oh, in so we, that, we're we're really in the weeds. Okay, so Q ended up changing the timeline, right? Tempor temporarily, uh, so yeah, to show like temporarily. Hey, if, if you don't do this, this is what it will turn out to be. Okay, so we are in the in the timeline, I guess, presumably where that like uh, Picard is not going to go off on the adventures with the Enterprise, where then they go back in time and meet Mark Twain and Guinan. So. Guinan knew Picard the whole time and knew he was going to be an old man and uh, come into her bar. You know. Yeah, she just didn't want to bring it up, I guess, to, to to mess with things. I will totally agree. I love the actress that played young Guinan. Uh, I was really excited to see her come back after that. Like, I thought it might have been one and done of like, oh, Picard essentially talks Guinan into staying and like investing in humanity. But like, the more she got involved with things, the more I really enjoyed her. And yeah, if you're not going to, if you're going to get Whoopi to play like two scenes, and you want to have more Guinan, like, yeah, just bring her on and say, yeah, Guinan changed forms. I thought the, the the actress who played her was really good. And I liked her sort of rapport with Picard as well, considering, like, how she looked younger and also had a little bit of more of that, like, younger pugnacious energy in comparison to Picard's old dog energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although Alorians get time sickness, I thought, is also uh, kind of weak sauce. <laughs> All right. Well, let's look ahead here as Star Trek Picard season three opens up a lot of questions, but provides one big answer that people have been asking all the way back since when the season was first announced, the series even, where are we getting the Star Trek, the next generation cast before we even get to that? We got to talk about that, that Wesley Crusher cameo because wow. I mean, Jess, I know you and I talked at one point about like, speculate against who the watcher may be i know the wesley's name was certainly thrown out there and i guess it is technically right because he's kind of like talon's boss the way he was talking about it right yeah yeah i mean it really it didn't feel like wesley crusher it felt like will wheaton show up as himself i mean is that what will wheaton does nowadays in terms of yeah. acting like he just kind of shows I up mean, like yeah i'm will wheaton this it's is like who I he, am. he walked off the set of the big bang theory and then he walked onto the set of picard mm -hmm. he's like hey guys it's me will wheaton that being said, Will Wheaton is so lovably endearing that I, I really did enjoy that scene and the warmth that he approached Corey with, even the humility that he apparently ruined an entire century of history. It was just one of those cameos I hoped would happen and finally got that gratification. But what did you think, Rob? Obviously, Will Wheaton has an affiliation with like modern day Trek in a very yeah. different way. Did yeah. you ever expect he'd make a cameo on the show? No, I didn't. I, you know, I really, I had not thought about Wesley Crusher uh, in some time, uh, but I know that he had gone off with the Traveler, and I, um, you know, like I, I picked up very quickly on where we were going uh, with that. But where do we go from here? Is that is this setting something up that is uh, like also going to be part of Star Trek Picard, or are we going into like further down? the wormhole of uh, Paramount Plus and get a Traveler series greenlit at some point. Ah, uh, yes. What everyone wants, Will Wheaton and Issa Brione star in Star Trek Traveler. <laughs> Traveler. I mean, it sounds more like a procedural that would be on CBS proper. I would watch that. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I think what they are doing is they are setting up an opportunity, sort of like Stan Lee as the Watcher in the MCU, of like, we'll have an opportunity. If Will Weem wants to make a cameo, he can make a cameo in any Star Trek series wherever he wants to, right? Because he can be anywhere at any point in time. So it's like, if he wants to appear next season, pop in, say hi to his mom, he can. If he doesn't, then like, okay, we now know what he's doing. But anytime we want Wesley Crusher to show up on any Star Trek series, now we have an out to do so. I mean, that was... I thought that was kind of the point when they wrote him off in the first place. It was like, yeah, you can come back. Uh, if we ever have another Star Trek series, if you're traveling through space and time, it doesn't matter when we set it, you can come in. Yeah, you can uh, sit it. You know, you, he did. He was sitting in the wedding in Star Trek Insurrection. Yeah, like, exactly. He did show up for a hot second. Yep. Mm -hmm. You know, materialize on, on Book's ship in, in the year 3000. That's cool. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Show up in Lower Decks in animated form to, like, screw with everybody on the Cerritos. That could happen as well. Super cool. Yeah. Um, end up in the cave and strange new worlds. Yeah, exactly. So like he has a lot of places to go, but I will say, well, it, it's like now this and Stacey Abrams is like random, almost like it's odd to say real world people because again, Will Wheaton does have a role in the Star Trek universe. But like you said, Jess, there wasn't much of like a performance going on. So it's been odd that we're now two for two in Star Trek finales of just like a person showing up, saying their lines and then going after having amassing this like, odd amount of power i really hope we're three for three now in strange new worlds and i can't even imagine who's going to show up there very exciting it's going to be a hologram of gene roddenberry yeah well you know it's it's kind of like the stan lee cameo they got to do something like that mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so that being said wesley sort of sets things up for the big ass star trek the next generation reunion that we are getting when uh star trek picard was officially announced for season three it is going to be the final season of star trek picard but they're all coming back with um no tasha yar uh you know unfortunately <laughs> uh nor dr pulaski nor ro laren but still the main <laughs> cast is there your lavar burton jonathan frakes marina yeah. sardis uh the the like michael dorn who will unfortunately have to like sweat under the klingon loaf once again so i don't think we got the opportunity to talk about this but like rob what were your thoughts as a TNG guy upon hearing this is the case? Yeah, I mean, this is very exciting. I mean, I, again, I don't I feel like that they've, how many times have they killed Data? I don't understand uh, necessarily uh, how they're going to do it, but I will be very excited to see it. I mean, I did not think about this prior to this conversation with you both about um, how many of these people are they going to kill off here uh, in Star Trek Picard season three. I mean, I guess that you sort of like, I have two choices of like, okay, how much longer can you drag this thing out? And and like, uh, could you sort of like write an ending for these characters uh, that they didn't really uh, get to at any point? Jess, what do you think the extent is going to be? Like, do you think they're going to become full-fledged cast members for the season? Or you think it's going to be a like, sort of like what we got of Jonathan Franks and Marina Sirtis in season one, where they like had their one episode and then maybe one or two scenes after that? Well, I... I liked the way they did that, but I think it would be hard to manage like one episode with everybody, but then one episode with one crew member at a time where we catch up on what they're doing. That's going to get real old real fast. So I think we got to at least like, I think we're going to have a few episodes of let's get the band back together and let's go find where this one is and what this one's doing. Like, you know, Jordy LaForge is running a library somewhere and 
you know, um, we go back to the planet where um, where Will and Deanna are making pizzas that are way too tiny to feed five guests. Mm-hmm. Worf has now <laughs> married like five more times and has lost all of his wives in the process. And oh. he had a child with each one of them that he totally abandoned. Yeah, so it's interesting because I, I do wonder now, like, yes, we have shed some people, right? Like, it's clear Santiago Cabrera is probably not coming back. I don't know if Allison Pill is coming back. If so, I have no idea in what form. I guess she would be Borg Queen Gerardi. Rob, what are you what are well, you expecting to be like the balance between old and new cast members? Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know how much like does the trans-dimensional portal ultimately uh factor into all of this. Like that seemed like that that was a pretty big like loose end uh that they left hanging there. Like I did what what is that thing? I mean, is this basically like are we going into the multiverse? Like uh what is what like what are we doing with that? I don't know. Could it have been just like another Deep Space Nine situation, Jess, where like they said, okay, we're gonna station ourselves here just in case some like shady shit comes over from another quadrant to come invade us. You know, that's not the worst idea. Like you can't leave that stuff unattended. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll see about that. To your point, Rob, that could be an interesting opportunity to I mean, we could have another like yesterday's enterprise thing where like yet another version of Tasha Yar comes through uh and, mm. and show, shows herself. It would be sad to not have Denise Crosby appear in like some way, shape, or form. The, you, uh, Mike, I, I didn't know you're such a big Denise Crosby stand. She's in like <laughs> twelve episodes. I mean they brought her back, but then they brought her back in yeah, you know, in like the 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 Romulan form of her, and she was in yesterday's mm-hmm. enterprise, and she was in the the series finale as well in the past mm-hmm. version. So like I don't know. I feel like they're going to throw her in in some way. She is sort of like regarded as the Pete best of that entire group. I feel like I'd rather have like uh, Chief O'Brien or I feel like there's other people that have uh, been, you know, bigger contributors. Yeah, bigger (laughs) contributors than Tasha Yar. I wish the watcher was Barkley. Remember that one episode where Barkley became like super smart and omni intelligent? That should have made him the watcher automatically. Mm -hmm. Here for it. All right, uh, I'll go around the horn here. Any final thoughts about Star Trek Picard Season 2? Jess, I'll start with you. I mean, the sequel is rarely as good as the original, and I loved the first season. Second season was certainly entertaining. We got a lot of questions answered. I think it wrapped up nicely, but there was a lot of familiar ground retrodden in this season, and it could have been two or three episodes shorter. Yeah. Yeah. Rob, final thoughts? Yeah, I agree with that uh, completely. Like, I feel like that this probably would have been like a really tight eight episodes uh, overall. Um, I never got to say this to anybody, but um, I was like, oh, this is the mirror universe uh, when they, uh, when Picard woke up. Uh, Like, I don't really know the difference between this and the mirror universe. Very Terran setting, I feel like. Like, all, you know, button down black suit dystopian empires kind of look the same in the Star Trek universe. <laughs> hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But overall, like uh, I, I did enjoy uh, watching uh, all of the episodes and, you know, it was a, it was a fun show to sort of like uh, have on while I was doing it. It was not like appointment of viewing for me at any point this season, but it was a fun show to uh, see where it was going. And uh, I very much look forward to uh, the third season and seeing how they do. I hope we get more than just like an episode with cameos like uh, tell one last story with the Enterprise D crew. Yeah, I am really excited for what's to come with season three because I do think this is maybe giving a bit to those Star Trek fans, right? Up like people who just wanted TNG season eight and a wrap up for those characters, even though they already got one several times of, okay, now everyone gets one big grand finale. 
I will say I agree that I think season two was a step down for me from season one. Ironically enough, though, it remained in the same location. It felt a little bit less cohesive. And I think that the ensemble aspects actually suffered a little bit, but they weren't without positives. Again, I really enjoyed the emotional aspects of a lot of these things, be it, you know, Picard's discovery about what happened with his mother and how that informed who he is. And then subsequently realizing that like that is essential to his character a lot of the artistic stuff with Gerardi and the Borg Queen, a lot of the, the Rios relationship stuff. So while plot-wise, I agree, I think now we're starting to see a little bit of stretching when it came to Star Trek Picard. There's still a lot of character things that I enjoy. And I remember this being a show in season one where I really enjoyed the characters that made a strong impression on me. So I consider that two for two, and we'll see if it's three for three. I'm going to assume that Star Trek Picard season three comes back next year because I'm fairly sure they filmed seasons two and three back to back. Oh, interesting. God, they they back to the future did. Yeah, yeah. basically, I think they because uh, I think uh, they they ran into some stuff maybe like earlier this year when it came to like uh, a COVID scare on set. So like, I'm pretty sure it's already in the can to the point where. <laughs> Yeah, the cast is uh, you know of a, of a certain age that is very concerning. Exactly, like it's that and like the Grace and Frankie sets are probably <laughs> the most you know uh, at risk. But yeah, I I'm really excited. I mean that that promo like had footage of you know Frakes and and Patrick Stewart firing phasers. So like I think we're gonna have Grace something. and Frankie. Yeah, <laughs> Grace and Frankie. All right, now we know what's that. Screw the Will Wheaton Issa Brione show. That's what I want. Mm. I want. <laughs> was it Lily Tomlin and Jonathan Frakes? Which one is Grace? <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, <laughs> Rob, outside of all of the plating you're doing for future Star Trek series at this moment, uh, thank you for stepping out of the writer's room, by the way, to sketch out your time with us about uh, your the upcoming Grace and Frankie uh, for opening our, our minds to all the Star Trek stuff to come. Yeah, I had uh, greatly looked forward to uh, Ten Forward uh, to come <laughs> here and uh, talk with you both. And uh, that probably kept me going through the season where uh, I knew we were going to get together and talk about it. So I, I might have uh, maybe uh, petered out at the time when uh, Picard was like at the hospital and we had a whole episode where he was in a coma. Uh, and, but I kept going because I wanted to come here and talk with you. Well, happy to be your endorphins to keep you going. And we don't even need to take over your mind uh, in exchange for that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just in hindsight, like uh, how many times did they got captured by ICE? They got captured by the police. They got captured by the alien investigators. <laughs> like they, the, the, the crew got captured a number of times uh, this season. That's what happens when you remain in one place for like longer than a couple days with these people. Like usually they end up only getting captured once, but it's like per capita, like however long they stay. So if you stay for a week, you're getting captured three times as many as you normally yeah. do. Well, I think it just speaks to that they had too much time to fill. And so when you're capturing people in a story, it's like, all right, how do we how do we slow this thing down? How do we keep the plot from moving forward? Or, oh, we'll get them captured again. Well, Rob, thank you so much for capturing our attention oh, oh, to yes. do this. Now, obviously, like, listen, I'd be here for the length of an entire season if I were to go over all the things that you are doing. But is there anything in particular that you would like to plug while you're on the podcast? Just uh, we're having a great time uh, recapping all of uh, everything going on with uh, Survivor these days over on Rob has a podcast. So uh, come uh, check us out over there uh, for everything we're doing. Uh, Rob's website dot com. All right, Jess, what do you have going on? Uh, well, every week I'm still talking about um, all things Walking Dead universe with some iteration of Josh Wiggler, AJ Mass, and Chappelle. 
And we are currently working our way through season seven of Fear the Walking Dead, which somehow is in season seven. And whatever Walking Dead shenanigans happen next, we will definitely all be there to cover it. And then this week, Mike Bloom, I joined you on the Survivor B&B, the RHAP yes. B&B with you and Liana. And we played some games. We had some fun, good times. Anagrams. Yeah. Yep. Did some anagrams. We had a very fun time. Went to some very odd places, uh, much like this season on the RHAP B&B, which is always a, a great time. So check that out, especially if you're a Survivor fan. A uh, lot of great insights from both the episode, from the live show, about life. I don't know. We went to a lot of odd places, again, I will say. Uh, and you can follow Jess at Haymaker Hattie. You can follow me at a Mike Bloom type. Follow Rob at Rob Cicernino. Too many things going on on post show recaps, whether it's in my purview uh, when it comes to Barry recaps for season three, whether it's Lost Down the Hatch. Josh Riggler and I just started our Stranger Things ramp up to season four. We are covering one season every week in the lead up. We just did our podcast for season one. I got to rewatch season one. I forgot how good it was. It's such a good season of television, Stranger Things season one. So we'll talk all about it and what that leads into with season four. And if you're a fan of space stuff, you're going to want to check out something very fun that I did this week with several people on Post Show Recapped. We did a Star Wars RPG, uh, which was very fun in honor of May the 4th, of course, home by the great DM Philly. We did that as a video on his Twitch stream, but we're taking the podcast version and dropping it into uh, the feeds in anticipation for Obi-Wan Kenobi, which is dropping on May 27th. Rob, I know it's sacrilegious to mention the other Starbase franchise in here, but any anticipation for Obi-Wan Kenobi, speaking of other like old characters being trotted out? Yes. No, I I, I really enjoy uh, the Disney Plus uh, Star Wars shows. Uh, I get to watch them uh, with my kids, and we're very much looking forward to uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Amazing. And also, speaking of other Star Trek stuff, at some point, Jess and I will get together to talk about Strange New Worlds. Uh, I think the window has closed when it comes to talking about the premiere. Maybe we'll do some sort of wrap-up of like the first two or three episodes. I will say, though, spoiler alert, I watched the premiere. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, it really just like hooked me immediately. And if it continues on that track, I will be very excited to see where we're going in Season 1. So check that out coming in the next couple of weeks as well. This Star Trek ship is not stopping anytime soon. We are staying in warp for the time being. So that being said, thank you all so much for listening to our check-ins throughout Star Trek Picard Season 2. We'll be back for Season 3 and in the time in between talking about all things Star Trek. Until then, live long and prosper. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.